0: Welcome to The Clay Young Show. Here we go back for another edition of The Clay Young Show on Podcast 225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107.3 mobile app. Right in the middle of political season nationally and statewide and locally, which we'll talk about in just a moment with our guest, John Delgado, a sitting member of the Metro Council here in Baton Rouge. Clay Young and Orlando here with you. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Well, we start by talking about the date. The date is now set for Smoke Em If You Got them. Yes. May 15th at Ben 77 Restaurant in Baton Rouge inside of Perkins Row. 5 uh, to 7. 5 to 7 p.m. Benefiting Magnolia House. Uh, at least that's the plan thus far. Benefiting <laughs> Magnolia House here in Baton Rouge. Uh, we got a chance last week to go to an event, the Just flag Cause. It's just Just Cause Flag event presentation. Presentation. That's right. Held at Bobby D'Angelo's place here in town, and, and you bought a flag. And yes, we got a flag, uh, and the money for that flag benefited the Chris Kyle Foundation. Oh wow! The American Sniper, Chris Kyle, his foundation that does so many great things and there were five different organizations uh, yeah uh, other organizations that were benefited by the donations one was uh folds, folds of honor i think is that it? um and then there were some other ones there as well but but i chose chris kyle because of his story and i think he is an amazing american and you know it's 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 a good cause. But anyway, I was going to make this point about the event. So when when Bobby D told us about the event, well, Frank Gumpert told us about the, the flag presentation event. And I expected to go to Bobby's oh, warehouse. I such a big deal. Huh? Oh, my goodness. It was amazing. There were tables laid out and live music and Gordy Rush themed. running through a, a program. Gordy Rush emceed the program. There was a big screen there. They yeah. showed a, a news piece that W.A.F.B. had the done. The fraud catfish. And they, <laughs> my first time having catfish since I think January was then. And now that you put it back on my mind, I got to think about it again for this week. But it was a really good event. I think he made over $70,000 that night in flag sales in two hours. Now, he wanted to do more than that. That's great, though. So just an unbelievable night. And a great cause and now the flag that we purchased hangs in the lobby here at CYE when you walk in. It's a smaller version of the (laughs) big one that's 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 in here and it's just it's just huge. And so Bobby came in to see this one and he said, I wish I had known you to to do that. It's like, Yeah, because I went someplace here in town. Is it different sizes or is it pretty much standard size? The for the frames? For the flag. The flags are the same size, and so you, you choose the frame. I, no, I think, but I think all of the, 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 the frames are custom and numbered, but I, I don't think you, you choose the frame because they're, they're wrapped when you pick them up and buy them. So anyway, we got our flag and we're trying to get Bobby to bring flags, to smoke them so that people there will have the opportunity to buy an American flag and have 100% of the money go to a, a foundation that benefits military veterans. You can't get any better than that. Nope. More information about that coming in the coming weeks about the 2015, 2016, excuse me, smoke them if you got them. Now, our guest on this week's show is Metro Council member John Delgado, and he is a candidate for mayor, very outspoken, uh, and he's clear about what he believes and where he wants the city to go. Now, I will tell you, we talk about infrastructure. We talk about economic development. We talk about crime. We talk a little bit about the race, race relations component of what's happening here in Baton Rouge. And at the end, he offers his reflections on why he should be the person that you elect if you're in Baton Rouge as the next mayor president. And he offers some clear thoughts on... The person, one of the announced candidates. And I think you're going to find that very, very interesting. I'll leave that there. We also address his past issues with Southeast Baton Rouge. He speaks clearly about that. And we ask the questions and give him a chance to answer. I think you're going to enjoy the conversation with attorney, businessman, current Metro Council member John Delgado. And that is next promote your business or organization on podcast 225.com podcast 225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for louisiana listeners every month thousands hear the weekly clay young show every week clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people hosting your company's logo on the podcast 225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on the clay young show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience
1: get more information by calling 225-214-1550 that's 225-214-1550 welcome back to the clay young show
0: Back with Metro Council member John Delgado, his return trip to the show here, and uh, we are talking specifically today about his candidacy for mayor. I think you're a glutton for punishment. You go from the Metro Council to now wanting to be in the mayor's office. Man, don't don't you have enough to do?
1: It's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. Might as well it. be me.
0: So before we get to city politics, you know, you're you are already on the city's legislative body, uh, the the city slash parish council. You see what's happening at the legislature. We were just chatting a little bit about it, and I'll just ask you: What are your impressions of what's happening now at the Capitol?
1: I, I think it's very disappointing on on, on all sides. I yeah. mean, you know, you're not going to solve this problem with just budget cuts, and you're not going to solve it by just raising taxes. Right. It's going to take some compromise. That's and it, right. And I think if I were if I were the governor, I would get the the speaker. Uh, Mr. Barra, yeah, and I would get Cameron Henry, the real speaker, and I would bring them into <laughs> come a <room>. on now, <laughs> and I would bring them into a room, and I'd say, look, guys, you know, we've got to work together. You know, it, it's as simple as that because we are either going to swim together or we're going to sink together, right? And and, and it's going glug glug do.
0: glug right now, brother, we're it, going down.
1: It, it, it's tough. It's tough. And I, you know, I think they started off this whole session fairly antagonistically with the selection of the speaker. Mm-hmm. Once once I saw that battle being fought, I, I, I knew we were in trouble.
0: Well, I think both sides are going to have to work together. I think John Kennedy laid out uh, somewhat of a blueprint in his response to the governor and saying there are all these areas that we should look at cutting or adjusting before raising taxes. And, you know, John, this is in his wheelhouse. It's what he's been doing in state government all this time. It just fell into his lap during a time that he's running for U.S. senator. And people say, well, he's saying this now because he's running for senator. Actually, in all fairness, John Kennedy's he's, been saying this been stuff saying for, a, for long a long time. time. And he's yeah. been
1: saying it when, when Jindal was That's governor exactly and when right. it wasn't popular That's to right. attack the governor That's right. within your own party. And he turns out
0: to be right. Even yeah. back then when he was calling him out on it, yeah. we didn't know how right he was. And now it seems like... So many things in Louisiana are in jeopardy because the money's not here.
1: Yeah, it really seems like we've had so many years of these smoke and mirror budgets. Absolutely, and, and now we're paying the price for it, and it's a heavy price. You know, if we talk about raising the the sales tax, uh, because this ties into the municipal governments, mm-hmm. that if we raised it to two cents, it will have a catastrophic ripple effect no throughout the state.
0: It, we will Baton Rouge, Louisiana, would have the highest sales tax in America.
1: Well. Se- uh, Central Central City, Louisiana (laughs) would have the highest sales tax in America. That's right, because they're 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 up higher. That's right. That's right. So
0: in Louisiana, we'd have a couple of areas that outpace major metropolitan areas. Yes. You know, Dallas is what eleven million people, somewhere around there. Louisiana's got four and a half million. Yeah. And you think about, and we've got a high percentage of people who live in poverty. So where is the revenue going to come from? And sales taxes are often considered regressive taxes. There's no doubt. And and so. I'm not following the direction that we're seeing out of the Capitol right now. I'm hoping to one day, but I I don't really see where this is going to lead us to the promised land.
1: Uh, Look at the end of the day, I think it's going to take a combination of measures to, to get us out of the hole that we're in. But once we are out of that hole, the very first thing they need to do is call a constitutional convention and get rid of these dedicated expenditures. Yeah. It, it is a crime, a true crime. And I don't, I'm don't. sure that there are some very good people that work on the Audubon Golf Trail. But it is crazy to me <laughs> that right now their funding of – it's a very small amount of money. It's $12,000, and mm-hmm. it's a drop in the bucket when compared to the billions that we're talking sure. about. But let's be clear, they're getting 100% of their allocation. They're getting all of their money, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that we are having to literally have a bake sale to pay for state government. And when you have these constitutional dedications of funds, it does not allow for the dynamic budgeting that you need Mm -hmm. in order to to get yourself out of problems like this. So uh,
0: that's fair. You you brought up a constitutional convention. I've had this conversation with friends of mine in state government and in statewide office. And the argument against it is always this. and, And before I say it, I see the 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 rationale behind saying it, and it is that once you do that, you throw everything up on the table and you open us up to the potential for more incompetence or thievery because it opens everything up. Now, at this point, though, I do think the risk is becoming almost worth it because of where because healthcare care and education take a pounding and there are all of these dedicated funding sources or dedicated
1: allocations that we can't touch right and, and it, yes it is a risk but i think you go into it and, and again this is where you you drag cameron henry down the hall and you say hey look we're going to call a constitutional convention but you need to get your folks in line i'll get my folks in line and we will move forward together mm-hmm. knowing this constitutional convention is explicitly for this 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 purpose and if you can do that. If you can work together, then you can avoid all those kind of backdoor right. tricks that they'll be pulling.
0: Do you think? Do you think John Bell is going to have the clout needed to manage the state through these multiple crises? That,
1: that is the billion-dollar question, my because
0: friend. at this point, it is looking shaky. That that media deal he did about three Thursdays ago did not help him at. All all putting out that you're suspending tops scared the hell out of people across all economic political and racial lines because kids of all types can get tops uh listen and I know that people say it's a real thing. I know that Dr. Alexander says it's a real thing. And I've said it before. They will they will light the Capitol with candles before football at Tiger Stadium goes away. Who are we kidding, man? Uh, yeah, I mean, look,
1: <laughs> John Bell still has to live in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, <laughs> unless he's going to move the yeah. governor's mansion out to a meet or, or, or
0: Tuscaloosa.
1: He, yeah, he, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come he, on, you can't touch Tiger. Come football. on,
0: come on. So. Uh, moving back here to to running for mayor, why in the hell do you want to be mayor?
1: You know, it, it's it's funny that you ask because I get that question more than any other question. Why are yeah. you doing it? And it's almost like, you know, it, it's such a terrible job. Why would anyone want to do it? But I think it gives me the opportunity to effect real change, yeah. to make Baton Rouge a better place. That's the only reason I'm running is because I want to build a better Baton Rouge and doing it from the mayor's office gives you know, gives you the ability to reach so many more people. You yeah. can, of course, on the council, you can do sure. good things. Sure. But as mayor, you can do great things.
0: Now, let's talk a little bit about all of the things. As I like to say, you've got more on your plate than you can say grace over already. So let's talk a little bit about that for people who don't know that not only you're are you a Metro Council member, you're also an attorney.
1: I am. I've been and, practicing law for 16 years. And how many bars do you own? And then we, I say we, because I have several partners in these ventures, Uh, we have four different nightclubs and bars.
0: So you've got all of that going on, and you are a practicing attorney where are you going to find the time? Because because <laughs> doing being mayor is a 25-hour-a-day, eight-day-a-week job, okay? Sure. And, so how are and, you going to do And let's not that? forget,
1: I'm also a husband. Also and a husband and a father. And a father. Who,
0: with a With a daughter that you adore. So where are you going to find time to be mayor, man?
1: Sure. So I've, I've given up sleeping. That's the first thing. <laughs> um, I've so, been trying to. So I've just cut that out. That's given me a whole eight hours that I was otherwise just <laughs> wasting like, laying right. down. Um well, the the simple fact of it is, uh, just like Kip was a mayor, uh, Kip was a lawyer before he became sure. a mayor. Um, my law practice, I'm, I'm planning to give that up. Sure. And of course, the businesses that we own, my partners will be running sure, that, and sure. I'll, and I'll just divest myself of those. So I will be giving the mayor's office a a full time, um, and and then some, because obviously the mayor's office is not something that you just put your hat on, you become right. mayor, you go get home, you take your hat off, and you're no longer mayor. You're right. always mayor. Um, and and being that. Person for Baton Rouge, the one that goes out there and does all of the the events and really brings the community together, is important. So I, I, I plan on doing that. And again, I have the support of my wife and family.
0: So we'll get to all of that. Let's start with a few issues facing the city. First up, infrastructure. As we sit to record this podcast now, we're expecting inclement weather over the next few days. Whenever there is a torrential rain that lasts in excess of twenty minutes, several streets around this city flood. Acadian floods, Jefferson floods, parts of Sherwood flood, parts of Bluebonnet. I mean, if if we sat here together, we can probably name 30 parts of the city that flood. What are you going to do to address infrastructure, the bridges, the flooding, the the roads, the connectivity of some of the connectivity roads? Connectivity is so, so how do you address all of that? So, so and we, be specific with me sure. now.
1: So we have, to, we have to do that. We have to address, because when we talk about traffic in Baton Rouge, really it's, it's a multifold problem. But yeah. part of it is we have a deficient infrastructure. Yep. Um, I'll, I'll give you, you an example I used the other day. When I was a kid, you could drive down Highland and take a left on Ben-Hur right before Lee. Right. And that's how you would get down to Nicholson. Right. That bridge has been closed for 30 years. Right. Okay, 30 years. The, the bridge failed mm-hmm. and then they just never fixed it. Mm-hmm. We have over 300 bridges in this parish that have either been closed completely yeah. or are on the brink of yeah. failure. There was
0: a freaking sinkhole on Blue Bonnet two weeks ago.
1: <laughs> no, no doubt. I mean, but l- let's talk about the bridges specifically because okay. okay. bridges are important. Yep. When you have a bridge that is a D or an F-rated bridge and you're still using it, yeah. th- that puts the city at a huge liability. The first guy that... that, that that bridge collapses on, is going to sue the city, and they're going That's to win right. millions, millions and millions That's of dollars because right. right. we know that they're failing. That's so right. we have to fix the bridges. Right. We have to improve connectivity. That allows us to, to really use the roads that we have the way that they're designed to be used. You have people up in the northern part of the parish that, when you talk about flooding, the bridge that would get them to their houses is closed, right. and the alternate routes completely flood out. Right. You know, we will spend more money... Or we will, rather, we will lose more money from the lack of productivity, from people not being able to get to their jobs because these streets are closed, from people mm-hmm. not being able to get to their businesses and not being able to spend money, then we will actually fixing these problems. Mm-hmm. But how do you fix them? It, it, it's simple. You will have to continue the Green Light Program beyond its existing term. Right. Um, and I think that in so doing, we can get to improve all of these smaller portions of it. Because the Green Light Program was a great big vision. Right. And fixed major roads. Right. But we need to go back now and do the detail work, which is so important.
0: Specifically, for how much longer? Because whenever you you talk about extending a tax, even one that has been as sound an investment as that has been, and it has been a sound investment, how much longer?
1: We'd we'd have to look at exactly, because, I mean, there's so much... Work to be done. So we'd yeah. have to look at I could not tell you right now what the specific amount of time would be to generate the monies that are necessary to do all these projects. But you would but give the specific
0: because for me to support it. And, and sure. personally, well, I did support the green light plan and voted for it. And, I, you know, I'm not a big fan of taxes, but the roads here were so atrocious and we've done a lot sure. to improve Baton Rouge. But I don't even think we're a fourth of the way. Would you agree with that? I because would, of all the work that—the work we've done has been great, and it hasn't been procrastination. But I'm saying there is so much that needs to be done that the list is even longer than we tackled. Is that fair?
1: I think that to get to where we're at, where we need to be, yeah, we may be only be okay. a fourth of the way. Okay. But to overcome all of the neglect in the past— Oh, sure. We we've, we came out of a huge hole. No, and I don't say that and, as a criticism. And now, now we're kind of over the over the top. I don't even say that forward. as a
0: criticism. It's much more about the the number of— I guess you would say uh, derelict areas of the city that we had not had a chance to address before, you know, 12 years ago when Kip came in and we started doing this
1: stuff. Sure. So, all right,
0: specifically, though. And,
1: again, let's keep in mind that the parish would have to vote right. on extending the Green Light that, Act. That's so exactly So it's ultimately right. going to be up to the voters. Up to the people. And they will have to make a determination. I think the people would support it. I think they've seen the success of the current Green Light program, and I think extending that uh, to address these other roads w- – and bridges and, and infrastructure needs that we have, I think that would support that.
0: How soon would you propose something like that? Let's say you get elected mayor, you're sworn in mid-January. How soon would you put this before or go to the people to start the process of putting it before them?
1: I think we would look at it and see exactly what the costs are, what can okay. be handled internally without any, any additional tax revenue. And if we, you know, when we see that it's necessary, when we see that it's absolutely necessary, mm-hmm. we would go to the people.
0: So infrastructure is a bigger, a bigger one. Let's talk a little bit more about connectivity Mm -hmm. and the way, you know, the outlay of the city. You can't really do anything about that right now. But connectivity is a big issue. How would you address not only the specifically the infrastructure work, but the mental patterning of people and the way they use the streets of Baton Rouge? You kind of would have to start a reeducation, if that makes any sense about how all of that works. Does that make sense? If if you're going to be rerouting people and doing things differently with the way that roads connect, I mean, in this town, because we are a creature of habit town so much, so we don't want to loop and Shreveport's had three. So when you talk about, uh, just take me through your so way for of example, doing that. Let,
1: let, let's say that we're going to improve on a, on a particular roadway like Nicholson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicholson needs to be expanded right now. We're actually currently uh, expanding the intersection of Nicholson at, at West Lee or Brightside, right. um, which will help Nicholson traffic flow significantly, right. but I think that those patterns of thinking change organically once the once the roadways are there. People pick up on that pretty quickly. You learn that I don't have to cut through, uh, you know, around this na- mm-hmm. through this neighborhood mm-hmm. to get from point A to point B, mm-hmm. because now I have a connection. Right. So I think people will learn that. Or, Pretty quickly, I, I don't think that that's going to take any real reeducation. I think right. that people will catch on. Um, but I think the key is to provide those those provide that connectivity, provide those expanded roadways. I think that there's there is some significant construction projects that need to be done. And if we could get, and again, you know, we talked about the state earlier. There is a program within within the state that mm-hmm. is, we were working with. Uh, to acquire Nicholson, mm-hmm. okay, this, it's a state road right yeah. now. If they gave it to the city parish, it also came with a bundle of money. Literally, mm-hmm. they'd say, "Here you go. Here's X millions of dollars for you taking Nicholson." Now we're going to have to maintain it after that, right? But how? But we can use that, to, for example, to expand Nicholson to make that a, a wider roadway, mm-hmm. and that gives you a, a real east-west connector. What stopped it? Well, the state's budget problems have yeah. s- has stopped that. Mm-hmm. But hopefully, again, when the state gets their you know feet back under them then we'll be able to resume that progress.
0: All right, so uh, we talked about the loop. I want to come back to that in just a moment, specifically Government Street. Mm-hmm. Government Street is four lanes, no center lane for turn, no yep. shoulder, and there are spots on government that flood. And anytime there is a need to fix a pothole on Government Street, man, you want to talk about gridlock. Yep. How would you address Government Street because I think when the construction starts there, it's going to be a nightmare. What do you do about that? So
1: I am not a traffic engineer. Let me just get that out. <laughs> no, that's all right. You're I, I wear, I wear a lot right. of hats. Um, <laughs> but, but I mean, you're going
0: to have to commission a plan to but, do something if you're elected.
1: So the Complete Streets plan that was um, thought out with Government Street yeah. kind of in mind as the first yeah. uh, avenue that we were going to do uh, is a good plan. Okay. okay? Um, and I know and I, it, it is the toughest thing to wrap your mental arms around to think, okay, we're going to go from four lanes to three and that's somehow going to improve traffic flow. But the fact is that all of the traffic engineers will tell you that it does actually work. And for the layman to say, well, that's crazy. I agree with you. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I look at it and go, why would we cut a lane and that improves the flow of traffic? Well, the fact is that it it does because you, the way that government street is when you block out, you have four lanes. Mm -hmm. Every guy who turns left, Okay, is blocking right. two lanes That's right. as he goes across, right. and then is blocking the traffic directly behind him. So a left turner blocks three lanes, mm-hmm. allowing only one lane of travel to continue. When you have the, and for however long it takes them to turn, when you have only three lanes, that left turner can wait in the center lane center area, lane yeah. area mm-hmm. For a clear spot. Right. He's no longer blocking the traffic behind him and he's not blocking the traffic on the other side because he's turning when there is time to turn. Because that's
0: really the that's one of the biggest issues over there is being caught behind oh, someone who's it, trying to turn left. I think you're, you're absolutely right about
1: that. It, it really is. I mean, I, I take government street all the time. Yeah. And, and yes, I hate that yeah. left turning guy. So, I mean, I try right. I, I try to stay in the right lane as long <laughs> right. as I can. But there's again, there's so many possible uh, turns off right. for the for the right turns also. The problem with Government Street and implementing this plan actually is the bus route. There's a lot of bus stops on Government Street, Mm -hmm. and in order to have this function, you cannot have the bus stopping um, in that lane of travel to pick up passengers because that would cause gridlock on Government Street. So what we need to be able to do is cutouts for the buses to be able to pull off the side of the roadway to pick their passengers You mean an
0: extended shoulder to the right, uh, to the right of the right lane where the, that the bus can pull into where people can board or deboard the bus.
1: Exactly. And the issue becomes though, uh, and it's a multifold issue. One bus stops change depending on the patterns of use. And so when you create these cutouts, it almost becomes like a permanent bus stop because now you've, now you've acquired that property. The other Mm -hmm. thing is we have to buy the property because in a lot of cases we don't own the right of way. And and that's another issue that we have to address. But I think once they can get around those two problems, um, they can move forward with the construction on Government Street, and it will benefit traffic on Government Street and the businesses along it.
0: All right, let's move to um, the loop mm-hmm. question, and we brought this up. How you know this is something that Mayor Holden has tried to have a discussion with other parish presidents and leaders and parishes contiguous to EBR about. And as I said earlier, between Caddo and Bossier and those areas, they've had three. We, 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 right. can't, get, we can't even start the serious dis- discussion about one. Right. How would you change that?
1: All right, a couple of things. I support a loop, and I think we need one. Um, but a loop, just like any one of these things, mm-hmm. it, this is, traffic in Baton Rouge has to be a multi-pronged approach. Sure. Solving the connectivity on the infrastructure surface streets that's not going to address our traffic problem in and of itself. Fixing the interstate is not in and of itself going to fix our traffic problem. A bridge over the Mississippi, all of these things, none of these things individually fix the traffic problem. Um, The first thing that I would do is – uh, again, let's look at Nicholson and make that a poor man's loop. You can mm-hmm. expand the Nicholson surface mm-hmm. and make that a a bypass around the southern part of the yeah, city. Yeah. You can also expand River Road mm-hmm. and make that a much more scenic. But yeah. and that actually ties into an economic development idea we'll talk about later sure. on on River Road. Um, so you can expand those streets with well, the goal is to create alternative northwest. I'm sorry, north west to southeast connectors in right. the parish. Right. So. The first thing I would do is, um, you have to look at the bump plan. Okay. Now this has been Explain the bump plan. The bump plan. It's, uh, it's uh, some engineers at Aecom came up with this, and it is, stands for Baton Rouge Urban Mobility Plan. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea is that you would take Airline Highway, okay, uh, from the old bridge, mm-hmm. okay, and actually connecting out to four hundred and fifteen. Yeah. And through the center lanes of it, you create a, a tollway. Okay. Okay. On these side lanes, you expand that footprint so that you have two lanes of southbound travel and two lanes of northbound travel that are free lanes. Okay. Okay. And no one has to pay for those. Then in the middle two in the middle four lanes, two lanes in each, is a toll road. Yeah. Okay. With well, why would
0: I take that one if I can take the other two for free?
1: With because it has limited ingress and egress and you can bypass oh, the entire parish. Okay. So when traffic's backed up through Baton Rouge, those trucks can go up to 415 take the old bridge and end up hitting either I12 or I10 or going out to Gonzales which would
0: alleviate a ton of traffic
1: and you can do it as a toll road and as, as a public private partnership at little or no cost to the taxpayers in Baton Rouge definitely would alleviate
0: traffic so but again and the
1: state has already actually funded the study for this so okay. we've already it's already stepped past the conceptual plan and they're actually the, the a, a study has been funded for this plan particularly right and in a, it shows a lot of promise this is only again. This is not the solution in itself, but right. it is one plan that I think we need to implement right away.
0: How do you get other parish leaders on
1: board on a loop? You just have to sit them down at the table. At the end of the day, why would it be any
0: different with you than
1: it was with Kip? Well, I, you know, at the, maybe I'm particularly charming, or I'm just a much more convincing guy. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. We, we have to sit down and talk about it. I mean, right. at the end of the day, we have to sit down and talk. You mm-hmm. know, it has to be a discussion where it says, where, where we say we're going to look at you guys as partners in this, this mm-hmm. is not being dictated to right. you by the mayor of Baton Rouge. Right. You guys are going to be partners with us in building a better regional economy. Right. And I think if you talk in terms of how it benefits them the and region. their constituencies and the region as a yeah. whole, I think that's how you get the people to come well, to the That's what BRAC
0: has been able to do with these parishes and, you know, that nine, 10, 11 parish area, mm-hmm. they've kind of created a super region uh, on the flip side of that. Let's say you were able to get leaders or the majority of them to get on board with the plan for a loop. And then you start drafting your plans. And then uh, a couple who's been married 60 years and have lived in the same house for 55 years come and say, they're going to pull that thing right through where my neighborhood is. I don't want you to do that. What do you say? Because we have a lot of those uh, folks in town. What do you say to them?
1: We do. It's a, it's a very difficult situation. I know that if it were running through my house, mm-hmm. I would, you know, obviously yeah. I, I would be up in arms. Absolutely. Right? So, I, so I can fully empathize. But at the same time, you're talking about development for the entire parish and right. region. Right. Talk about millions of people that would be impacted yeah. by this. So you really cannot let the concerns of one individual right. outweigh the concerns of the entire community. Meaning
0: you would not, meaning their concerns wouldn't stop you.
1: Their concerns alone would not stop
0: me. Their concerns alone. So...
1: So you have to look a little at bit of many, a caveat there. Sure, so you have to look at how many people are impacted by this. Okay. Are you taking out whole swaths of land? Is there an alternative? Is there you know is there a better planning mechanism sure. that we can that we can use so that we don't impact them or? so the impact can be minimized. What if there is no other and option? If there is no other option, then we have to build the loop. Because out
0: in that Perkins area where people have talked about where there are lots of bars over, kind of under the mm-hmm. overpassing in that area, that's been one of those areas people have talked about. And there is great rejection to the idea over there.
1: Sure. So, And, and that actually is right by my house. Right. So, so when so, you talk about it going right by your house, it's, so? it's going to move that traffic closer to me. So let's talk about that. So okay. the first thing, I, I have asked... Congressman Graves, I have asked uh, Sherry Labata DOTD. I've spoke with Perry Franklin, who's the uh, engineer that, that's coming up with this expansion plan for the right, interstate. Right. And you're looking at about a $350 million expansion. Mm-hmm. Okay? Is it absolutely necessary? Hmm? Okay, that's the, question. that's the question you have to ask. Before you start taking people's houses and businesses sure, and everything else, sure, sure. is this absolutely necessary? I asked them, I said, can you guys just do me one favor? For a month, let's just test it out. I would like you all to close the Washington Street exit. Close it for one month. Let's just see how it works. Mm -hmm. Because every day I get on the interstate in downtown where I work, I take the interstate down to Perkins Road where I get off, and every day I see that the southbound traffic on 110 is Some of them occasionally are merging into that Washington Street exit. It's a a mad dash across three lanes of travel to get to that Washington Street exit. Well, guess what they're doing? They're backing traffic up on the bridge by cutting across. They're also backing traffic up on southbound 110 because they're trying to get into that ideal situation. Well, they're slowing down to give themselves enough room. That's backing up traffic on both interstates. Then you have the other side. You have the traffic that's coming across the bridge eastbound. That sees that Washington Street exit only right, sign, right and despite the fact that the lane that they are in continues all the way until you hit the Atlantic Ocean and never <laughs> and I'm not kidding, it goes all the way to the Atlantic Ocean and never deviates right, they still think they have that to they, cross that to that the left, have, <laughs> that they have to move to the left. And so they're, so what they're doing again, they're, they're hitting their brakes and they're trying to find their That's spot to move really over. Yeah. And so just just try it.
0: Yeah.
1: I think you could probably get that exit closed. I, I could probably get like me and a couple other guys, some pickup trucks. We could close it for like a thousand bucks. Right. Let's say it's government work, so it's gonna cost about a hundred thousand to do <laughs> that's that same about right. to do that same job. But that's still after the feasibility study, <laughs> right. John. But that's still a fraction of what it would cost to build an entire lane right. on the interstate all the way to the ten twelve split. Right. If it's not absolutely necessary, then why are we gonna spend Hundreds of millions of taxpayer dollars on it. Let's just try right. close that one exit. I see it every day, and I know that the engineers are like doing their little calculations and studies and you know math and, and and pushing the buttons on their computer. Right. But I see it every day, and the people who drive that interstate see it every single day. Right. Just try for one month, close that exit. Let's see how it works. And for the people who live on Washington Street, I, I don't mean to say that their exit it should you know mm-hmm. should just be. Closed, and they can't get to their houses. But the fact is, that if you get off on the Darrymple Street exit, yeah. Washington Street is right, that's right. next to you. Can you can
0: circle back right there. <laughs> and
1: and for the people who live on the far end of Washington Street, yeah. the side that's closer to Darrymple, getting off of the Daremple exit is actually faster. It,
0: it is faster, but there's only, right there on Washington, there is uh, a YMCA there, and across the street, there's like, I think the Leo S. Butler Center is mm-hmm. right there. So... I don't know that there. There may be less than five houses right there. there right there's when you, not a lot, and you yeah.
1: can and you could get off at the Government Street exit and go go through. Yeah. So it's not like there's not an alternative route there. So,
0: so let's let's transition now to economic development. You talked a little bit about that, and and that's been a part of an even larger discussion in the city, and in some cases it's been a very very well thought out discussion, and in other cases it's just been a screaming match sure. between the different sides of Florida street, but let's first start umbrella up and then we'll move down your economic depl- uh, development plan for the city of Baton Rouge consists of what?
1: Okay. So it's, it's multi-pronged again, because they're not, there's never going to be any one answer to any problem. Okay? Sure. We've had these problems for many, yeah. many years. One thing is not going to cure everything. Yeah. Um, let's start with the fact that we have 12 miles of riverfront property that is undeveloped okay. except for one casino. Okay. From the bridge All the way to the Irwin Parish line, Mm -hmm. there is no development on the riverfront. All right, what an incredible waste of the most valuable property in any municipality. There's not a city in America that is on a river. Whether it's Shreveport on the Red River, Mm -hmm. Lake Charles on the Sabine, you go to to Memphis and Nashville, and every any, any city that's on a river, their prime property is the riverfront you go to right. new orleans the the in, from the riverwalk all the way past jack's brewery sure. that's where people want to go to it it's just a natural human tendency we build we dig up and build lakes all around our, our community that's right just to have people living around them yeah when you have this incredible expanse of riverfront that is wasted we as a city parish need to commit our resources and our collective wherewithal to bring up the riverfront development in this parish okay so I think it is key to one go out there and expand river road and make make the streets connect mm-hmm. so that you can get to those properties better um, you need to run the sewer lines out there, run the utilities out there, commit as a government like we did with downtown when we said you know what we're going we're going to commit as a government we're going to give you the resources that we can as a government and we want to encourage private investment to come in there and mm-hmm. follow and that 's what happened that Downtown is a success because the government committed their resources sure. and because the private investment followed.
0: When are they going to do get to the parking part of the plan? We're for wor- downtown.
1: <laughs> We're working on that. <laughs> They're working on that right now. Actually, yeah, uh, that's we a just, pain
0: between the back
1: pockets down there. Just uh, it, it, you know. it. Yeah, it is actually, and you know, one of the things and for you because we are, you, you do business we, down there. We are wasting. We are wasting millions and millions of dollars that we could be collecting in revenue because we don't have meters in the vast part of downtown right. and you have all these loading zones that people are parking in for free yeah. and you have $15 million in unpaid parking tickets that we are never going to collect on. So we could I mean, it's crazy. $15 I could, million. I could dollars? do a lot of good things with $15 million. Jeez. Yeah. That's our outstanding. Look, if we, if hell, we,
0: why am I always paying my parking, parking ticket if nobody else is when I get one down there?
1: I, I tell you, well, you know, that, that is a problem, man. People, you know, People like you and I may yeah. get that ticket and go, you yeah. know what, I need to pay it. But yeah. a lot of people just toss it. I and, don't need the
0: headache, I pay it.
1: And, and and you have, you know, you have people and we will start addressing this through the legislature yeah. and saying, Okay, we're gonna flag your license so that when right. you go renew it we right. we collect our revenue. I,
0: I hated to derail you. You were running That's through okay. your
1: plan. That's all right. So so going back to the plan. So Part of it is economic development on the south side of the parish yeah. to, to really build up that riverfront. I mean, we could do great, great things mm-hmm. if we helped encourage that private investment sure. on our riverfront properties. Sure. And not industrial development. We're talking about commercial and residential sure. development, sure. restaurants, and, mm-hmm. and, and not casinos. Okay? Right. Um, so I think you could do great things over there. The other thing is how do we address development in North Baton Rouge? Yeah. Um, and that's a major issue. So I, I've proposed already at the council level a, a small plan to help economic development in the north. What's the plan? So it would be an economic opportunity zone for all the property within the city parish that is north of Florida street, inside the city limits and um, outside of the downtown um, development area, because Mm -hmm. they are their own uh, taxing district. Right. What you would do is you would say, okay, you have a plot of land um, and someone wants to build a grocery store on it. We know we need grocery stores in North Baton Rouge. Sure. They tell us all the time. We need groceries. It's a food desert, right? So, if you can encourage a grocery store to come there by saying, if you build your grocery store on a piece of land in North Baton Rouge, we will continue to tax it at the land price and mm-hmm. not as the improved value mm-hmm. for the next 10 years. So we will give you a tax abatement Okay, okay, that could save you 100000 a year on sure. your taxes. Well, that that's an encouragement to the bottom line of that retailer to come in there and say, okay, we're going to to move here because we, we have a opportunity now just to, to make, you know, to save some money and the process make some money. Um, and, and it works for anything, any, any type of business that wants to either improve an existing property or build a new property in North Baton Rouge. It's a 10 year tax abatement and it will be coming back up to the council. It was deferred twice. We're hoping to get it passed uh, at the council level and that would help incentivize development in North Baton Rouge. Um, and again, there are other things we need to do. Um, we need to look at crime in north baton rouge we mm-hmm. need to, because if you ask any- well i want to
0: come to crime we'll, we'll deal with crime as an sure. entire sep- entirely separate sure. subject but keep in, in mind that this,
1: this is a this is a, a M- multifaceted thing right. yeah. so you have to address yeah. you have to address crime in north baton rouge yeah. you have to encourage in order to encourage businesses to move yeah. there you have to make them feel safe yeah. um, you have to take the properties that are blighted yeah and address the blight in north baton rouge yep. because again that not only feeds into crime, but again, it, it de incentivizes businesses sure. from opening up there. Sure. They, no one wants to open up next to a building that's falling that's down. That's right. Um, and so we have to have real blight enforcement and, mm-hmm. and a real commitment by the city parish to go out there and, and take those properties down. Um, and again, it, it's, it's going to call, having it, you know, it's going to require calling everybody to the table and saying, look, we have a problem. We need to, to bring businesses into North Baton yeah. Rouge. Um, how can we do that? Uh, and, and sitting down at the table and working that out, because at the end of the day, you know, you may live in a very nice house. Sure. If your neighbor's house is falling down. Yep. Okay. Not only do you have a moral imperative to help your neighbor. Okay. As Christians, we mm-hmm. we want to help our neighbors, but at the same time, you also have an economic incentive. That's right. It's hurting my property value. No question. It is hurting me. No question. So when people are listening, those that live in South Baton Rouge and saying, well, we don't have to worry about North Baton Rouge. We never go up there. We don't know anybody who lives up there. The fact is that it hurts our ability to attract these large companies to come to Baton Rouge when they look at it and go, boy, you have a really high crime rate. Uh, you know, we, got, we just left the airport and it doesn't look very good up here in Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those are the things that de incentivize businesses coming anywhere in this parish. We have to look at it from a, a solution of what makes the entire parish work better together.
0: So I agree with you, but I will ask this as well about that. There is a university up there that uh, has thousands of people on it on a da- the campus on a daily basis, there is an airport up in the northern part of the city and the parish. And I hear the discussions from afar about development up there. And I agree that there is, there is great need for investment and development. But, but here is what I'd like to understand about it. The emotional dis- side of the discussion is understandable for people who live there. Okay? But I like talking about what's realistic. Mm-hmm. right? I, grocery stores and North Baton Rouge are an easy hit depending on what you do to get people to open a store there because people buy food. uh, They buy supplies for certain things there. But for a business to move there, so let's say uh, I have a company that does investments, okay? Investment properties. So let's say I was going to invest there. The, the smart reason to make an investment is to expect profit.
1: Sure, of course.
0: And so when you say we want development there, and I'm not against it. I don't want anybody, follow me on the point here before anyone jumps ahead of me uh, to where I'm going. If you're going to say we want to draw investment there, that would mean that you're going to attract people with disposable income or a reason to go to a certain area to spend money. So then the question becomes, what do you put there that attracts people with the cash to spend? And before you do that, how do you incentivize the investment? Because that's been what's missing. The discussion has been there, but the on-paper reality is not is something that I haven't seen. And maybe it's there and I've missed it. That certainly could be the case. But if it is there, what is it?
1: So there are some businesses, like grocery stores, that yeah. have that initial... Um That that are easy fixes. Sure. People are going to go shop at a grocery store. There are some businesses that are going to take much longer to get up there. The fact is that the retail development is going to be the last component. Okay? Okay. In order to get the types of businesses that we're talking about getting into North Baton Rouge, the businesses are going to benefit from having that airport nearby, from having the the 110 connector nearby, from having access to the rail system nearby. We're talking about manufacturing jobs, commercial jobs. Sure. That's how you build. And, And see, when... When the people who live in that community can go and work in these places, sure. then they then the people in that community will yeah. have the disposable income to be able to go to the Absolutely. retail centers. But it has to come from first you build the man, you get the manufacturers to come in, uh, or the commercial centers to come in and then employ the people in that area. Right. And then that's when the retail will come in afterwards. But
0: again, for the business, are there people in North Baton Rouge who are hard working? Taxpaying, law-abiding citizens. Mm-hmm. I think so often the, the portrait painted of the area Absolutely. is that it's just a bunch of thugs and criminals. That, is, that couldn't be any closer to the truth. It isn't the truth. The element does exist there. I mean, I'm going to call it like it is, but I don't believe for a fact that that's the majority of people who of live in North not. Baton Rouge, of and course. I know you don't either, but I have to go back to reality. If we want to do this, and I think that there is a rationale to do it, somebody can say, okay. I can put a business in the center or the southeastern part of the city, and people in North Baton Rouge will drive to where that business is and spend money. Not only will I get their money, but I also get money from the parts of Baton Rouge that have more disposable income. So, what incentivizes me to skip those areas to go to a part of the city that requires a gamble?
1: See, and the thing is again, what you're talking about is retail businesses. Okay. There's a big difference between economic development through creating retail shops and economic development by creating jobs um, in in a commercial sector or a manufacturing sector. So I think the building of retail development in North Baton Rouge is going to take much more time, but I think that the immediate access is you have have commercial businesses, manufacturing plants, things like that, that can come up and move into North Baton Mm -hmm. Rouge because they have the great access to our roadways. They have Mm-hmm. cheap land, quite sure, honestly. Sure. They have uh, an ac- They have access to the rail system. They have access to the airport. Um, that makes North Baton Rouge an attractive area for those types of businesses to so locate agree. there. And when you locate those businesses, you bring jobs to that community. Okay. And by bringing jobs to that community, then you have an, a, a nascent base of, of people who can now have greater levels right. of disposable income so that retail can, can organically develop there. But it won't develop there until you have people who have who have better paying jobs living in that area because it's one thing to have somebody come from South Baton Rouge to go shop in a retail development in North Baton Rouge. But it's not like the South Baton Rouge businesses just rely on the people who live around them.
0: Oh, no, that's not the case at all. I you mean, know, the, people yeah. take the bus to abs- go to the abs- mall. Abs- absolutely. You know, there you so, go.
1: So, it's, so the question is, how do we put more money in the pockets of the people yeah. who live in North Baton Rouge? How do we give them better jobs and better yeah. opportunities? And again, when they have those better jobs and opportunities, then the retail will naturally develop up in that area. It'll
0: happen organically. It, it, it There won't be an overnight fix. It just doesn't happen. Of course not. So let's talk, uh, while... I don't believe that 100% or 70% or 80% of the people up there are breaking the law. And I don't know that the majority of people in this city, white or black, believe that. I mean, it's it's there is a narrative out there that people believe that it isn't true. However, there is a criminal element there. Let's just call it. It is... There is a criminal element there which exists in many cities where the people who have the least are most often in areas where the crime rate is the highest. How do you address the crime part of this? And I'll ask you a two-part question to give you a chance to speak to both of them. How do you address the crime? And here's the second part. You're not going to get people to come to the table, and I'm just going to say this, as long as the element of race, the specter of race hangs so heavily over the room you can't dismiss that you know there there are racial components that people talk about and you have to deal with but the tenor of the conversation is something that's going to make a lot of people say i'm not going within a hundred miles of that until we can have a real discussion without being called a racist if i don't want to develop in a part of the city is that fair sure okay so
1: so to answer your question one how do you how do you address the race racial component um I think you have to make it clear to everyone in this parish and in this community that it, everyone benefits if the lowest person in our society rises up. Okay? okay, That rising tide lifts all boats. That's right. So if you take the most impoverished area, the yep. most underdeveloped area, and right. you improve the conditions there, sure. everyone benefits from That's that. That's
0: right. People okay? have a right to a job and a good education because we do have public schools.
1: And the surest way. The surest way to put the drug dealers and the criminals out of work is to give people real jobs that have real paychecks and okay. real opportunities, right. and, and give them access to those jobs. Right. So, so part of it, part of addressing crime, is real economic development. Right. Okay. And and real jobs and opportunities in in North Baton Rouge. We, right. we can talk about crime throughout the parish, but sure. the, but there is a crime problem in North Baton Rouge. But that
0: and that component has an impact, as you said, on economic development.
1: Absolutely. And it and it, and again. It's a, it goes back. As you develop the, the job market there, mm-hmm. it also has an impact on reducing crime. So it is a beneficial spiral. The other thing is that we have to address, and we will talk about this, I think, in sure, a second, sure. is, is the education system. Right. Because, again, if you give people a good education, you give them better opportunities Right. make them much less likely to right. commit crime. Right. Um, how do you deal with crime really anywhere? Okay, I think that that's the better question because it's not just North routes. There's crime all over the city. All over the country. And, 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 uh, uh, you're right. Yeah. Okay, but how do you deal with crime? Well, you start with education. Mm-hmm. You help with economic development. From a policing perspective, we have got to give our police officers the tools that they need um, and the manpower that they need okay. to effectively patrol our neighborhoods. Okay. Um, which would be what? Which would be at least 150 to 200 new officers.
0: And how do you pay for that?
1: You pay for it. That's a good question. You pay for it. By looking at, first of all, the fact that we are spending – most of our officers are, are working about 60 hours a week yep. versus 40 hours a week yep. because they are all working mandatory overtime because we simply do not have enough officers to cover it. Think about it like this. If you're a business owner and you have a need for 150 employees, but mm-hmm. you can, you're can you only paying 100 of them, mm-hmm. okay? But now you're paying those 100, 100 employees overtime to do that extra 50, 50 yeah. 50 man, yeah. uh, 50 men – worth of work, you are spending much more than if you had just hired the additional 50. Right. Okay. It's a, that is what we are doing right now. So we are spending every year much more in overtime than we should be because we just don't hire enough officers. Right. Um, and again, you always have to look at these things from a business perspective. And as a mayor, I'm always going to look and say, okay, how does this affect the bottom line? Right. The fact is that if you put the police out on the street, if you give them the tools, if we... Reduce crime, if we improve economic development, if we do these things, we generate more money for the parish. It is, you know, we can keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect a different result, but everybody knows that's the definition of a sanity. Look
0: at what Sid did in the Gardier area out there with getting involved in the community with the sheriff's office. And since then, he went in and got into the community. Look at all the development just on Burbank along where Gardier is. Ten years ago, there was a gas station and maybe a a jack-in-the-box or something. There's a Walmart over there now. And there are all these fast food places along Burbank past Blue Bonnet going to Gardere. So you're right. When you address crime, it makes makes an investment area more attractive to the people who have the money to spend the money.
1: Absolutely. And again, when you make that area more attractive and you— Bring those businesses in, guess what they're generating? Sales tax dollars. That's right. That goes back into the general fund, which allows us to pay for these programs and allows us to pay to have these police officers, these additional police officers on the street. Part of it is there's there's two theories that I that I look at when I talk about law enforcement. One is the broken windows theory. Yeah. And for people who don't know what that is, it is the idea that if you have a a building that's pristine, that has no broken windows, people are very are, are much less likely to throw a rock and break that's a right. window. That's right. Once that first window breaks, breaks. that's right. It's really creates easy. a trend. It creates a trend. Right. The, the, and then another kid's gonna walk by and break another yeah, window. Somebody else right. walks by and that's eventually right. that building Why don't falls. They teach
0: that in schools,
1: the, by the way. They should. Well you know what? It, and actually there it's it's the the uh, brand new desk theory also. Okay. So you know when you when you when you're in school and they, you go to class and they you sit you down on a brand new desk and nobody's written on it, you don't want to be the first kid that's to write right. on that desk. <laughs> but you know if somebody's already written war and peace all over the thing, then, you know, right. it doesn't matter if I'm going to carve my little JD <laughs> initial right there in the corner because, hey, if somebody else has already done that. And then you have a, a right. crappy falling down right. desk, right? right. So, so the broken windows theory was applied in New York City. Right. Okay? And it's how Giuliani That's right. um, and William Stratton, who was the police chief That's at the time, right. really helped to reduce the crime rate in New York by mm-hmm. going after the little things like blight elimination. Right. We have, I, think we have two, uh, I don't even want to say this. I think we have two guys that work in blight enforcement for two the entire pe- two s- people? Yes, two people. Wow. Okay. We have got, we have got to get out there and take these properties and raise them to the ground mm-hmm. and then to, I say to the neighbor, "Hey, you want this lot? 100 bucks. If you mow the lawn, you can have it." Mm-hmm. Okay? Just take it. We need to do hell that. if you
0: open it up to people who would come and spend money buying those properties or those pieces of land, you could make money for the city there as well. Because right now people don't take care of it, and it's the city's responsibility to go in and and Absolutely. keep the grass down and all of the things that happen. I want to go back to something with North Baton Rouge because I don't want to dwell on this, but I want to put a button on it so we can we can't talk about schools and I want to drill down more on law enforcement. Uh, the, the, the racial component that happens or the, the part of the discussion that says the overwhelmingly white southeastern part of the parish gets all of the opportunities and the overwhelmingly black part, northern part of the parish, doesn't get those same opportunities. And it, the reason that that happens is because of the racial makeup of the two differing areas. Now, you're going to run. You're running for mayor, and I'm sure you've heard it before. You're going to keep hearing it. What is your response to that?
1: I think that historically you may have seen this systemic racism in Baton Rouge. Does it exist today? I don't think it does to the degree that it did 50 years ago. Are people still racist? Yeah, sure. People are racist everywhere. But I don't believe that as we sit here, certainly not as a government, certainly sure. not as government officials, sure. we don't sit here and go, ah, you know what, let's just ignore North Baton Rouge because it's where the black people live. Mm-hmm. And let's just focus on South Baton Rouge because mm-hmm. that's where the white people live. Right. That's. It's not nearly that simple, okay, and it's – And I don't believe for a minute that any of my colleagues or any of the people who are really involved in government are actually racist in any way, okay? I think the fact is that over time, over years and years and years, we have seen a a gradual shift in growth and prosperity and on the the southern side, Mm -hmm. and you have seen a decline on the northern side. You know, at one time— the northern side was all we had. That was the Absolutely. only side. There was there was Absolutely. there was no sides. Absolutely. Was, you know, Florida Street was not right. the the dividing line. Florida Street was the end of the line. That was that was the, the- just twenty
0: years ago. Sure. It was a very different southern part of the parish. Absolutely. Just 20 years ago, not even, not 60, 50, just 20 years ago. Think about all the development in the last 10 years.
1: Highland, I would tell you that 20 years ago, Highland Road was the end of the parish. Right. You didn't have anything south of Highland. Right. You had a few apartment complexes, maybe on Burbank. Right. You certainly didn't have anything out past that.
0: Right. You know, right. And,
1: and now all of that, you know, all the way going out to CCL and, and, and going out to University Club, you know, all of that area is is, is booming. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, you've seen a lot of development out there. But, again, I think it's a gradual shift, and we need to pull it back. We need to pull North Baton Rouge back from the brink and say, hey, we, we are going to commit our resources as a government and as a community to helping North Baton Rouge get back on track. North Baton Rouge is where my wife was born and grew up. And, yeah. and, and you know, when she was a kid, you know, she went to Scotlandville High School. She, you know, uh, went to all the, all the schools up there. And, and so, you know, she grew up there and saw that. North Baton Rouge decline mm-hmm. in, over the last 30, I don't want to say how old my wife is, but let's <laughs> say over the last 30 years. Um, yeah, I can't bail and, you out of that one. And, and so, as you, I think as, as you've seen it going in one direction, we can also bring it back in the other direction. Why has it
0: happened? You talked about the decline. I've had this conversation with friends of mine who, who too, grew up there, born there, obviously, spent time there in high school, went to school up there. Why has that decline happened? Neglect. Neglect. Why I mean, has there been neglect? Uh,
1: I think that it comes from a lot of sources. One is there is a you know you have an option A or option B. Sure. I pick option A. You look at both options. You go, Delgado picked option A, so I'll pick that one too. Mm -hmm. And and it's just a it just forms this trend. And again, organically, it just develops. South Baton Rouge didn't just grow into you know an economic powerhouse overnight. Um, It just did over time sure and so i think it's just a gradual shift as things moved in certain directions cortana mall used to be the mall that everybody went to it was the big mall you know that was yeah it was the big mall balmarche was the old mall but at one time balmarche was the only mall that's right and everyone went and shopped there yeah um when they opened up cortana you know the area around balmarche yeah we call mall city mall city you know now what do they call it now uh, melrose uh uh, what is it now smiley Uh, heights uh, smiley Smiley Heights. heights yeah um but that area went went very down very fast yep. you know because again it, people move they just shifted from one to the other why did they do that there, there's no real the trends are
0: the trends and know. people will move to where they want to move and they will you know they'll live where they want to live they'll spend where they want to spend uh, don't think for a second that all of South, that southeast Baton rouge is 100% white that's oh, that's absolutely a misnomer no, absolutely it's not. very far from the truth yeah. uh, back to law enforcement What do you think about the idea of a consolidation of all of the law enforcement agencies in the Paris? There's Zachary Baker, Central, uh, there's a police department, the sheriff's office, LSU police, Southern police, the constabulary downtown. I've heard people talk about putting all of those under one umbrella where the sheriff basically becomes a police commissioner, a la New York that you mentioned earlier, with all of these different precincts and areas that are are under uh, his watch. I don't know how you make something like that happen, to be honest with you, but what's your what's your response to the idea?
1: I have great concerns about consolidation towards the sheriff's office. Now, if you said we're going to consolidate everything into a metropolitan police department that is under the city parish okay. government because we have a consolidated government, um, I could understand but that. But that would
0: eliminate the sheriff's office.
1: Well, it would eliminate the sheriff's office. Criminal enforcement, but the sheriff's office still would run the jail, still do all service of process, still yeah. protect the. But the, you turn
0: it into a clerical office more, you know, it, and 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 a and, a, and a landlord
1: basically. It would be just like uh, New Orleans. New Orleans has a civil sheriff and right. a criminal sheriff, right. so you would still operate the, the sheriff's civil functions. But and th- this is the reason, okay? This, Sid Gotro is a fine man and a good oh, sheriff, yeah. okay, and a good friend of mine, and we've yep. been friends for a yep. long, long time. Yep, yep. as he um, as, as he mine. But I don't know what the next guy's gonna be like. Yeah. And to consolidate that much power into the hands of one man, because everyone yeah. that works, you, you do know that the way that the sheriff's office works is that everyone is a deputy. You have one sheriff. Yeah, Everyone else works at the pleasure of right. that sheriff. He That's can right. hire you and fire you That's for right. any reason at any That's point right. in time. And he is not subject to any type of civil service. Right. He's not, no one is subject right. to any type of protections. He says what a person gets paid, how many people of a certain rank there are, and it is purely at the sheriff's discretion. He discussion. answers
0: to the legislature.
1: He, he only, really only answers... Well, well, that's
0: true. He, he could arrest the governor, quite frankly, the, the, within, the, within the parish. Within the parish yeah. of East Baton Rouge, yeah. the
1: sheriff is the most powerful yeah. official. Yeah, I mean, is. Going back to the Earl K. Long days, <laughs> that's right. um, when, when the sheriff arrested Earl and then had him shipped down to New Orleans. Right. Um, so, so I think... It, it, that type of consolidation of power without any real checks and balances on the office gives me great concern. Right. Okay. You know, and once elected, they're elected until the end of their term. So, you know, a great sheriff can do great things, but a bad sheriff can do a lot of bad things.
0: I do think you mentioned adding people to the police department. I actually think we have a fine police department. I mean, I, I've got a relative who's a member. So I, I believe that Uh, Carl Dabody is a good man, as I'm sure you, you know, what is your opinion of how the police department uh, is doing in Baton Rouge and you've talked about adding more boots on the ground sure. I think to we, help.
1: I think we have a great police department, a very professional police department, one that yep. is very highly rated by Calia, which is the, yep. the uh, law enforcement accreditation agency. Um, we have the top ranking from that agency, um, but they are overworked and undermanned. We are operating at the same level. Of uh, of law enforcement in terms of the number of people in the department mm-hmm. uh, that are commissioned officers that we've been operating under for the last thirty years. All right. Um, the population of Baton Rouge has grown a bit in the last sure. thirty years, and the parish. in the last ten years. And and, and certainly we we know that. And yeah. so to continue to operate under these same uh, conditions and, and expect that we're going to somehow get a handle on crime, I think is 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 a bad idea. It's just it's just not working. So. It, it, I think that we need to, number one, we need to pay our police officers more. Sure. Okay. Um, The fact is that we are not able to recruit the officers that we need to recruit Mm -hmm. because, quite frankly, it will take you 10 years to work at the Baton Rouge Police Department before you will make what the starting out pay for a state trooper is. Right. Okay. Okay. Ten years to get to that same level that the guy that the rookie cadet just graduated from state trooper academy right. got his got his car and his gun. He's right. making what you would be making after ten years working at BRPD. That's just not fair. It's just not fair to our officers. Um, so we've got to figure out a way to get them a pay raise, um, and we do have to figure out a way to recruit and get more officers on the ground because the other method, the other the other theory of law enforcement that that we look at um, is the community oriented policing model. Okay, and at one time. Um, it, You would have two officers riding in one unit, right? and one officer could get out. Maybe a more junior officer could get out and meet the people in that block, yeah. and then the other officer would stay in the car and respond to calls or do the paperwork, and you could actually get to know the police officers that patrolled your particular neighborhood. In downtown Baton Rouge, Mm -hmm. I know every police, not because I'm a councilman, but because of my office is downtown, right. I know every police officer that works at the downtown district. Mm-hmm. And every business owner, every restaurant, every shop, every hotel owner or operator in downtown Baton Rouge knows every police officer right. in that department because they, they walk around and we see them every day and we talk to them and we say hi. We're not afraid of the police mm-hmm. okay, in downtown Baton Rouge. Downtown Baton Rouge has a very, very low crime rate. I mean it, it's to the point where, where very, very few reported. But there are crimes. people
0: who say that the crime in downtown is underreported. Do you believe that?
1: I don't believe that. Okay. I don't believe that at all. Okay. Because I see it every day. I mean there you'll see a homeless guy every now and then because sure. it's the downtown it's sure. the center of town. Sure. But but you very rarely see any actual crimes coming out of, of downtown Baton Rouge. But again, it's because you have people who can pick up the phone, mm-hmm. they see something suspicious, they they don't call 911. I call Donnie's cell phone, okay? And, and so does everybody else. Right. Okay. We just call them directly. We say, hey, can you come check this out? I think this, this guy is kind of walking around here. He's looking in windows of cars. Mm-hmm. Looks a little suspicious. Just check it out. And they just walk right over. To have that kind of relationship with the police officers that are there to protect and serve the community is incredible, but it is unique to downtown. We need to take That's that right. example. Is
0: that realistic, though, in all parts of the city?
1: It can be. It absolutely can be. How? If you, because, well, again, you have to put more officers on the street so that they can take areas and dedicate unique officers to that particular area. So okay. that you can say, I have Officer Smith, and he is patrolling this 10-block area, sure. and Officer Smith's going to work every day during the week. That's, right. his, that's his patrol. Right. Officer Jones is patrolling this other 10-block area to the, to the west of that, and that's his beat, and that's his patrol. And the people who live in that community will gradually get to know mm-hmm. Officer Smith and Officer Jones and know them by name and know how to reach them and know... And build that relationship. It's not going to happen overnight, right. of course. But it's building that relationship. It's building the trust between the community and the police yeah. that will help law enforcement do their job. Yeah. Uh,
0: have you had a chance to sit and talk with Chief Dabity about any? What's his response? I mean, I know, obviously, he's in a non-political sure. uh, position, and he cares about what's best for the city and the men and women who serve under his command. But have you gotten any feedback from him on any of this? I, I think that... Anything that you can share you know.
1: I, I don't want, you know, i don 't want to talk out of school sure. She and I have, have had many private conversations um, about law enforcement in Baton Rouge and about all sorts of topics under the sun, uh, tiger sports and right, everything else right. um, but but the fact is that that these are not um, foreign ideas to anyone who has had any, any time in law enforcement, sure. but it does require resources to go back to the broken windows theory. We, in order to give law enforcement the tools that they need, we need yeah. to have the blight enforcement go in yeah. and tear down these these broken window houses, right. the, these these dilapidated houses and businesses and buildings that are attracting crime. Mm-hmm. You tear those down, you raise them to the ground. Now there's no place for the criminals to hide. They right. can't hide behind a wall inside an old, burnt-out shell right. of a house. They have to be out in the open. And the one thing criminals hate is that sunlight. Right. You know? And you're
0: right about that. People running into houses. And it increases the risk to officers who are chasing them. Uh, transition to this: South Baton Rouge. How are you going to get votes in South Baton Rouge after calling so many people the Taliban <laughs> when the St. George thing was going on? So, so uh, have you? Has there been a mayor copa with people out in that part of town or
1: what? Uh, that's not much of a segue, but so, so <laughs> let me.
0: <laughs> well, we're segueing from uh, tough subject matters. Okay, sure.
1: sure. So, Clay, here, here's the thing. One, okay, we, we've talked about this before. That, sure. That when I when I use these kind of uh, you know outrageous expressions calling sure. people to Taliban um first of all, just so you know, I was referring to only the specific three uh Group of three that was really. Oh, pushing I know. We've the, had that conversation, but that's George not the agenda. perception. The I public had. I certainly wasn't talking to the entirety okay. of, of the of the people who lived in the, in how the unincorporated part you. of the parish. Well, the fact is that I'm from South Baton Rouge. I was born and raised here. When right. I, you know, I rode my bike in Village Saint George, sure. and I and I swam the Saint George swimming pool, Absolutely. and I went to Saint George School for that yeah. matter. And my sister went there. My, you know, we have we have houses in Saint George. Yep. They're still uh, pissed know. off at you. So how well, do you fix you know, that? I think not end, everybody,
0: but. There are people who still hold that against you.
1: At the end of the day, if you are a single issue and you're a, you know, that was your only thing that you ever cared about on this planet, then you're, you're never going to vote for right. me, and I got you. Right. I, I understand. Right. I, you know, I'm sorry that you feel that way, but right. I understand why you feel that way. The fact is that people who wanted to fix the education system in this parish that live in the unincorporated part of the area that supported St. George were being lied to. Mm-hmm. Okay? They were being lied to. That's that's the bottom line. And I called out the liars and I said, you guys are telling these people something that's not true. You're telling them that if they sign this petition, that they're going to get new, better, safer quality schools for their kids. And that was just a lie. The St. George movement was never to create a school system. The St. George movement was to create a new city. And that's a fact. Well, that's uh, Lionel, now,
0: Lionel. would argue that point against you, but okay, sure. I, I don't want to relitigate but, but, that whole thing. But, I just, you but, know. But,
1: but but this is how this is what I would say to them. Yeah, I know why you signed. I know why you wanted it. I know what your goal was. You wanted better schools for your kids. I have a three-year-old daughter. I'm going to have to send her to school soon, and I want to send her to the best school possible. I get it. I absolutely get it. We need to fix the education system in right. this parish. We need to do that together, and. If you want to fix the education system, you should know that you'll have an ally in John Delgado. Okay, it is not, It was never about getting, you know, for me, it was never about fighting people who are going after schools for their kids. Of mm-hmm. course not. We need better schools for our, for our kids, and we need to actually have the mayor speak up and stand up and fight for better schools. Sure. Because quite honestly, for so long, city parish government has said, you know what? That's not our job. Right. That's the school board's job, and they just and they just wash their hands of it. You know, it's about time that the mayor, mayor's office says, you know what, we all live in this community, we all have kids and grandkids in this community, we all need to make mm-hmm. our schools a better network of schools.
0: Would you agree, because this is where we, we'll end on this subject, with the schools, that Warren Drake has done a good job?
1: Warren Drake yes. has done a good job, and yeah. I hope that he continues to do a good job.
0: So how would you work with him to continue the work of improving schools? Because I do think that he is committed and his team is committed to fixing it. And quite frankly, the school board has worked better as a cohesive unit under him than we've seen in In a long time. time. So how would you, as the city's top executive, if you're elected, work with him to improve the schools in the city? Because I think you will say that's a good selling point, or at least uh, a detracting point from Baton Rouge when you're trying to sell the city.
1: Absolutely. And I think that we need to work with the school board, and we need to work with Warren Drake, and in particular, uh, number one, Head Start funding okay. that runs through city parish. Sure. We all, that's already part of our domain. But right. all that we do right now is we go out there, we get the check from the federal government, mm-hmm. we write another check to the Head Start program, mm-hmm. and that's all that we do. Instead yeah. of committing committing actual city parish resources to the Head Start program. Right. We know that if we can improve Head Start, that we're giving those children a better opportunity, a better chance to learn when they get into the school system. Absolutely. So that's, that's step one. We've got to improve Head Start and improve our funding for Head Start. Uh, number two, we need to work with the library board to create comu- uh, computer centers. Mm-hmm. Okay. The most used component of the library, certainly the downtown library, is the computer center. Absolutely. Okay. And We can take and build, instead of spending all this money on on branches throughout the parish, we have great libraries. I love them. Mm -hmm. I think they're fantastic. But at the end of the day, we don't need another $60 million building. We can have a you know, a hundred thousand dollar building that has a bunch of computers in it that people mm-hmm. can use, and you build those near the schools so the kids can go there after school and use those computers because I mean, that's what
0: they do now. You and I come from an era where before Google, where you had right. encyclopedias yeah, to learn about absolutely. some of the people in history. Kids now they don't touch books a whole lot except in a classroom. They're on their smartphones or their tablets or a PC at home if they have a computer. So I think you're right about that.
1: And, and a lot of the kids that, that attend the public schools, kids who have you know who are on the free and reduced lunch program, they don't have computers at home right. they don't have, you know they don't have access right. to, to right. the same things so i think that those helping get the library to commit those resources is, is key again to helping build our school system the other thing simple things your school has a, a security problem so right now you're hiring outside extra duty officers to be security resource officers for your school mm-hmm. we will provide them for free we can work with the school board and say, you know what, we will eat that cost because we know that having safer public schools is better for everyone in the community. Right. That's, a, that's an expense that we would bear how, as a city How parents. would you do that? But it, again, we we have, we improve the manpower in the police department. I okay. can assign an officer and say, okay, uh, Officer Smith is going to be tasked to go to Westdale Elementary, mm-hmm. and he's going to sit there and, and, and make sure that the school uh, is, is safe. Right. You know? Um, you know, we have all these crazy people going out there and, and shooting up schools. Thank yeah, God we've never had that. Fortunately, never had yeah. that in Baton Rouge. But on wood. But you know, we can we can provide that extra layer of protection. And again, that police officer is there if some one of the kids gets in a fight or whatever. Whatever happens, there's a mm-hmm. disciplinary issue that you need a, a trained police officer to go and handle. Then they will be there for that. But we can do all these things and more. We can bring in education experts. We can help have. You know, we can help them by, by committing our resources. And that's the key. They have to know that they have a partner in City Parish.
0: Sure, sure. Uh, you know, finally here, the announced candidates are you, uh, former Senator Sharon Broome. We're going to find out whether or not Ted James is going to run. He was here last week and he talked about making a decision by April 1st. He's got a lot on his pl- plate right now in the legislature. Clearly. Um and you've you've had an opportunity to freely go through what your plan and vision for the city would be, which is kind of something I wanted, not in these uh, these three minute talk radio segments where you sure. can barely get into one subject matter before you have to take a break. I kind of wanted the long form discussion. But seeing that she has been a legislator for all these years and he's now coming out of the legislate legislature, you have been. Uh, a legislator but you've also been a business owner as well what's let's say ted gets into this thing what separates you from the 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 other announced candidate and the potentially announced candidate as an option for the baton rouge voter
1: so i don't know what ted's plan or vision for baton rouge would be and quite honestly we haven't heard from sharon exactly what her Vision for Baton Rouge would be All and
0: Sarah I, Holiday, by the way, is also considering a run for mayor. Sarah Holliday is also out.
1: considering a run, and there's several other people. Sure. Marty Maley is talking about a yeah. run. White yeah. White's talking about yeah. a run. Yeah, uh, I, I fully expect there to be you know seven, eight, nine sure. candidates. Absolutely, in this race. It's the first time we've had an open seat right. in 12 years, so right. I expect there to be a lot of people. Um, I, I think what would separate me from from any of them one. You know, my experience is directly with City Parish, and I'm ready to hit the ground running. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've been there. I know, I know where all the light switches are. I don't have to go in and learn anything <laughs> right. at, at, at the onset that I don't already know. Um, I think Ted's a good guy. I've been friends with Ted for a long time. Um, I like him personally. Mm-hmm. He, um, I think that um, the biggest strike against Sharon would be that she's been in the legislature for 24 years. You go and look at her district now. <coughs> you look at her previous representative district. Mm-hmm. Tell me that that district is better off now than it was 24 years ago. Okay. Because the fact is that it isn't. The fact is that if you go back 24 years ago and take a picture of her district and you take a picture of it today, it's going to look eerily similar, except maybe with a little bit more blight and decay. That's just a fact. When you've had the opportunity to be in a leadership position for 24 years, when you've been the the Senate pro tem and you haven't been able to bring back any significant contributions or improvements to your district – I think that that speaks volumes. If you want more of the same, I think Senator Bruin would be a great choice. If you want to move the city forward, I think John Delgado is the better choice.
0: Well, with that, we'll wrap it up, man. Thanks for coming in. I do want to, as we get through the legislative sessions, and there could be as many as two more after this one, the The regular that starts a week from Saturday, I believe. And then, well, wait a minute. Yeah, a week from Saturday. And then there'll probably be another special session. At least because, one more. Because at least one more, because we once we cross the end of June, we start the new fiscal year with a deficit, which is just unfathomable to think about. But as we get into the summer... And all of the discussions are going on. I'd like to have you back because I'm sure by then you'll have more of your plan rounded out. And and again, it's long form conversation where you can feel free. And as you know, you've done this before. I don't edit them. What we talk about is what goes up uh, because I think it's the fairest thing to do. But it gives people an opportunity to say what you want to say and not be in a rush to do it because we've been here now an hour and almost an hour and 10 minutes. So I've enjoyed it and hopefully you will come back. Absolutely, anytime. Uh, Metro Council member and mayoral candidate, John Delgado. Thank you, John. Thank you, Clay. Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. Clay Young here with John Conroy, the founder and owner of Pest Stop Do-It-Yourself Pest Control. Now is the time to start thinking about prepping your lawn and getting ready when this cold weather finally gets out of here, John. Let's talk about termites. Oh, yeah. With the warmer weather moving in, if you're seeing little winged critters flying around your house, that's usually an indication that you've got a subterranean infestation somewhere. So the thing you want to do is to, one, look around the bottom of the slab to see if you find the tunnels. If you find the tunnels, then you need to come see us because we carry the exact same products that the professionals use. And applying those products in a trench will generally give you protection for up to 12 to 14 years. Now's the time to start thinking about it. If you're in the New Orleans area, how can they find you? Well, our Metairie store is located at 3512 Severn Avenue next to the Pepper Mill in Covington. We're located at 1417 North Causeway. That's in the same shopping center as Sherwin-Williams. On uh, the West Bank, we're on the Palco just before the Harvey Bridge and in Baton Rouge, we're at 806 O'Neill Lane. Treat your home and lawn with the products available at Pest Stop. This is The Clay Young Show on Podcast225.com. Pretty interesting comments about uh, (laughs) Senator Broom there by Mr. Delgado, right? Indeed. So I'm going to invite her onto the show to talk about this. I've also been contacted by mayoral candidate Sarah Holliday, who wants to come on the show to talk about her candidacy, and we are going to do that. Anybody who's running wants to come on, we'll let all comers come on. We'll ask them the same questions and some different questions depending on what's happening. And uh, we are happy to be a place where people can get that kind of information. definitely. And it's free. Free. So if you have an iPhone, right, or an iPad or a MacBook, it's crazy not to hit the subscribe button, yeah? definitely so you should download yeah. the subscribe download the, the podcast yeah and subscribe to the show because it's free if you don't have an Apple device you can go to the website or you can get that talk 1073 app that costs you the same amount nothing nothing and get or the, the, show. the website or podcast the website podcast225.com. there you go so you got that and we've got some news about something that's coming here probably within the next three weeks. Uh, that's going to happen here at Podcast Two Two Five. I'm so, not sure if I even know what's going to happen. I'm in these sure weeks. you do, but if you don't, <laughs> we'll make you wait for it as well. So, uh, so we'll catch you next week. And, and you know, we didn't even get to talk about Donald Trump on this <laughs> week's show. I will just tell you the last debate I saw with Trump and Marco Rubio having the exchange where <laughs> where Donald Trump is calling him Little Marco. Okay, Little Marco, and then Trump's referring to his hand size. Oh my god. And a particular part of his man region and I'm thinking is this really happening on a presidential debate? Presidential debate, debate no. Yep. And like I said, Trump versus Hillary, I think that reality is coming so you better oh get boy. ready for it. You best get ready for it cuz it's coming for you. That was pretty southern. That was pretty southern. I'm a southern man. All right, we'll catch you next week on the next edition of the Clay Young show on iTunes. It's free there. Free on the Talk 107.3 mobile app. And of course, it is also free at podcast225.com. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Join
1: us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.